are talking about how intimacy can impact your sleep. And if you've got sleep issues, reconnecting, getting a little bit more love can make a difference. But before we go into that, let's review a review of the week. This was from Teresa Lemieux. I'm so glad I found this. This is exactly the kind of perspective I've been looking for. Looking forward to more tips on healthy eating and mindful living. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts, guys. Your reviews and ratings, they help us extend our reach. Sharing with your friends and family will help them show up better for themselves and you. So we are talking all about intimacy today and how if you've been caught up in a cycle of sleepless nights, guess what? There's a drug-free way to get back on track. Make love more often, or perhaps just get more connected with yourself and your partner. And in our sleep, your way to success episode number 13, Mary, right? We, we talked about, you know, a ton of tips and the beauty sleep episode, episode number 10 on how to improve both your sleep quality and quantity. And intimacy is just another way that you can get better sleep quality and quantity. Um, today we're discussing how intimacy can not only improve your sleep, but it's also an excellent way to connect better to yourself and your partner, both physically and psychologically. So the question is, how does sex, intimacy, orgasm, how do they help your sleep? So here's the thing though, before we move on, and I just want to add in there that whether you have a partner or not, this conversation is relevant for any human being because um, we can talk about intimacy with yourself as well as part of this, right? Absolutely. In fact, if you're in a relationship where you're so feeling a little disconnected, perhaps you're in a different phase of your life and you haven't been connecting at all or intimate at all with your partner, and you're just trying to move your way back to the bedroom, you're feeling like roommates perhaps, you know, starting with yourself is a good place to start. So you're either maybe alone in a relationship or alone, period. You don't, you know, you could still, if you feel alone, while being a, a partner, um, you know, and, and I think it's also something to discuss, right? Like you can be in a relationship and think, you know, uh, you're supposed to be intimate all the time, but perhaps you've lost your way. So uh, self-love is so important and key to being able to then communicate uh, your needs uh, with a partner if you're in a relationship or you're going to be in one, right? So we always like to bring in research, of course, and what we know that sex and specifically orgasm in this case with or without partner can produce hormones, right? So there's research on it. Um, You talked about a German study. Can you say more about that one? Yeah. They found that women and men who masturbated to orgasm had elevated levels of prolactin. Another hormone released is oxytocin, the love hormone, which not only activates the pleasure regions of your brain, but also acts like an opiate. So like it basically, um, tranquilizes and reduces the stress hormone cortisol. So it induces like a a feeling of trust and relaxation and and better sleep. So kind of cool. And lots of hormones get produced. Yeah. Right. And so this is not just one isolated research article. And in fact, I I perused the whole bunch yesterday and I just pulled out this other Um, one in 2019 in Queensland mm -hmm. University in Australia. It's a school of health, medical and applied sciences and Michelle Castella and his team, they talked that about better quality and onset of deep sleep was going to occur through self-induced sexual pleasure 
as well as partner sex. And what's really cool is that there was no difference in terms of being a man or a woman, which is, I think is awesome. And then, you know, as you mentioned, the release of oxytocin, which occurs, which induces a better quality of life that is reported as well. So Mm -hmm. when we say quality of life, what we're talking about here is not like, oh my gosh, every night you have to have sex before you go to bed and have an orgasm. That's not what we're talking about today, right? (laughs) So really to reiterate, it's like the neurohormonal mechanism or the release of hormones following orgasm is what may help sleep. Right. And you don't have to necessarily have the orgasm just before bed. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, it can impact you even if it's during the day. And again, it can be self-pleasure orgasms or with a partner. It doesn't have to be uh, exclusive to partner orgasms. And uh, orgasms in women increase estrogen, which improves deep sleep. And in men, um, increases prolactin, which results in sleepiness. So we know that often in partnered intimacy, And um, we often kind of joke around about how men pass out after sex so that they stick around, right? (laughs) According to like, you know, like, so that, you know, if they've just made a baby and they're staying over, you know, like, like literally that's part of the reason why the prolactin hormone, I guess, gets secreted so that they uh, are held responsible and hang around kind of funny. Right. Um, So it's like this biological evolutionary development so that men stick around. Love that. Yes. Yeah. And it promotes that bonding that helps you feel emotional, generally less stressed. And uh, yeah. So, and then did you post this one? The, the research shows that more sleep can lead to more desire. University of Michigan study found that the longer and better a woman slept, no, I think I did, the more interested they were in sex the next day. So I thought that was interesting. So women, we need our sleep. I mean, men do too. In fact, a lot of the time men will say, you know, I, I used to wake up in the morning erection and I'm no longer waking up with that. And I'll just say, are you getting enough sleep? It's, it's often, you just need an hour or two more sleep and suddenly your testosterone hormone is improving and you are getting that morning erection. I mean, there could be a whole host of other issues, psychological circulation, diabetes, weight gain and such, but sleep could be your fix, right? Like if you got a little more sleep and Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. And there are so many sleep disorders that can occur that make us not necessarily want to sleep in the same bed. I hear this all the time from patients, right? Like that, that, uh, you know, inability to, um, you know, sleep, having a good quality sleep and wanting to sleep next to your partner. So this intimacy that you were trying to encourage, uh, to get reconnected or to get connected, um, doesn't have to be just before bed or end in sleeping next to each other. Like we got to give each other the permission, right. To like decide depending on what phase of life you're in, or if you have a sleep disorder, if you're going to actually sleep next to each other, because if right. we want that intimacy, we have to feel good. So we need good sleep. Yes. yes and you don't have to be intimate and uh, it's not equated to we sleep in the same bedroom Hence, we are intimate. Sometimes people are totally not intimate and they sleep in the same room. Yeah, that's so true too. It's, it's, right. about, it's about, okay, how do we connect? And mm-hmm. after that, we can say, give each other a good night's kiss. And then I sleep in my room, you sleep in your room, right? And then to have right. that better quality sleep. So yeah. it's however it works in your family. 
And um, so we're not tied to how it's going to go, but certainly don't force yourself to sleep in the same room thinking that that's what intimacy is. Right, right. And if somebody, like I have patients who sleep with a CPAP machine and that could disturb their partner um, or they might not want to use it and then they're having oxygen deprivation and they can't, uh, you know, uh, sleep as, as good themselves because they're trying not to disturb their partner or pets, for example, are joining in the family bed and that's <laughs> disrupting the, the ability to uh, sleep properly or there's the musical beds. Like if you're, you know, you've got toddlers and they're kind of all like hopping into the bed. There's so many different yes. reasons to like say, okay, you know, that's what's the best sleep situation for our family to be able to still hold a sacred space for intimacy, but then still have a solid sleep. So for example, when uh, I was nursing our babies, I would be, we would have our intimacy time, but then I would go and sleep in a bed share, like just with the one child. So I would just go off and then come back to right. the bed. And, you know, and then there's some situations with, you know, when the women are in like hot flushes phase of their life, they're in perimenopause and they're overheating. Right. And so then they yeah, just, you don't want anybody want near own you. space. That's right. Yes. <laughs> so hypersensitive yeah. all, to sounds. And <laughs> uh, so other conditions, like you mentioned, Graves disease as well. Right. So, um, mm. and every, and also we need to respect that sometimes we, with our partners, we may actually have a different sleep schedule. So, so not true. to disrupt each other from that as well. And, and um, so really the whole point, because this is actually, you know, sex and intimacy and sleep episode. So the whole point that we're actually saying is that you don't need to have sex right before bed. Like it can be different times a day. Yes. And still impact the appropriate hormones. And of course, we're not going to intellectualize and say, I'm going to have sex so that I can sleep better tonight and that I'm going to release my oxytocin. <laughs> I hope you don't navigate like that. <laughs> right. Or if you want to try something, you've tried everything else. That is an option. <laughs> sure. You're right. right. You could yes, try, you. right. You're like going through some insomnia spell and you're like feeling disconnected. Try experiment Buy a rabbit vibrator. <laughs> Give it a shot. We're going to talk a lot more about some tips on, uh, you know, uh, ways to improve your sex life in our next episode, but we're just going to go through some just really practical concepts around, um, you know, uh, ways that we can work around the sleep schedules and the differing kind of, uh, situation sleeping, um, you know, like in the different phases of life, you like, you have to basically, I think it's just really important to give permission to sleep in another bed. It doesn't take away the intimacy. However, you still have to hold that sacred space to be together before you maybe um, go your separate ways. And that doesn't have to be every single night, but it just, you know, you don't want to lose it and become roommates either. Um, I actually listened to an interesting podcast with Christy, Christy Lewis, Dr. Christy Lewis, and she does like an intimate share where she talks about this. And she said that, you know, I didn't want to admit it before, but like my husband and I, we used to sleep in separate beds and our daughter has her bed. And, you know, I guess that uh, they just recognize that sleeping in a separate bed just makes it easier so that then they can connect, you know, and have good solid sleep. So I thought what a great thing to expand on and um, so important to just never go to sleep mad and have clarity conversations, especially if you're sleeping in separate beds, obviously, but either way, 
because uh, like, I don't know, do you, do you find that that's, I mean, I think that's such an important thing really like to not. Well, absolutely. I mean, if you're emotionally uptight and stressed and angry, then you're just going to be bubbling your head with thoughts and that's going to impede sleep. So uh, definitely in our house, we always say, at least that I initiated the rule about, okay, we do not sleep when we're mad or we don't Mm -hmm. go to bed mad. Right. Mm -hmm. So we do something and, and we have to be respectful in how we go through our anger. And that's another podcast episode in the future for sure. But, you know, so if your partner may not want to actually talk about it, it's like respectfully doing something different so that you're not mad and he's not mad um, it's because sometimes later at night, I don't know about you, because I'm talking about a sample size of one right now. Mm-hmm. But like, let's say we are not so happy with each other. And I'll do something to help myself not be so angry. And I'll come from an empathetic view, whereas my husband, he would be more in the position of, you know what, I'm tired, I don't want to talk about this right now. I'm just going to go to my cave and, you know, watch something to chill me out. And that's fine. Like we have different yeah. tools of not staying mad. So it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you're mad and then you have to talk it out right the second. No, I agree. No, absolutely. Even if it's just a rescheduling time for connection time. Um, and it's interesting because apparently men are more likely to open up and communicate if there's been some level of intimacy, physical connection, touch, and uh, especially after orgasms, whereas women are more likely to feel like they could even be intimate and achieve an orgasm if they've had the discussions and the talks and the, the working through, because we're more cycle, like we're more up in our, our heads. <laughs> like we are, yes. we need that open communication to be even like comfortable enough to be, to receive, like we're the receivers. So we have to be able to feel like we've been heard. So I think it's really important. And if men knew this, they would probably, well, like they would, if, if, if uh, the dynamic is, is that, you know, one partner, especially if the man is feeling um, like he's wanting, let's say he is a physical touch person, wants more of that than he would do. He would get more of that physical connection if he was listening and, and having that open line of communication. And I think it's so important that even if, um, you know, you're taking those uh, times for uh, collecting your, your energy and your ideas to then reconvene that you're not just kind of over zoning out and having the TV in the bedroom and cell phones and like not communicating and just stuck with your devices. So like having that sacred space means like taking the TV out of the bedroom. If you are sleeping in the same bedroom or, or, or at least in the area that you guys are going to have your touch point conversations, your connection time, and then create an ambiance, like something that just helps you be more in touch with your five sentence, uh, five senses. So like have a candle lit or a salt rock lamp so that you just feel more grounded and have relaxing music going. It just like softens the environment and doesn't need to lead to like physical penetration. Like that's not what we're talking about or orgasms even. It's just like having that intimacy so that when that does happen, like you're just more so much more open to receiving and connecting, right? 
Yes. And I love that, that you actually mentioned or having to have orgasms because then otherwise, you know, I don't want people to walk away <laughs> listening to this episode thinking that the only way uh, their solution is orgasm. And what we knew, know, a lot of people on earth actually do not, women anyway, uh, do not ever get to a state of orgasm. And that's totally right. perfectly fine and okay. Yes. And, uh, you know, but intimacy does not equal orgasm, FYI. No. Right. But if you can achieve orgasms, it does a lot of good things for your hormones, but so does intimacy, right? Yes. Like that hug hormone, yes. like when you hug someone, it releases yes. the oxytocin, right? So it doesn't, yes. again, like even though we're talking about how orgasms does, does release oxytocin, prolactin, estrogen, same thing with hugs. So just being held, yes. being embraced, yes. right? Yes. And that's even with your, your children. I mean, can't, haven't you yeah. ever felt the joy? Like when you're holding your kid and it's like, oh my gosh, there's just so much love. Cause we know oxytocin to be the love hormone. Right. So and when you're breastfeeding, there. you actually get that same release of prolactin. Right. So I remember feeling almost like drugged after a letdown yes, would happen. It's great. And I would just be you like, relax. you know, just so relaxed. So yeah, just imagine like, you know, improving, like having more, clarity conversations and being, having sacred, holding sacred space that doesn't involve technology, TV, cell phones, and then enhancing that feeling of intimacy. And you're having a bigger release of these hormones that just really impacts our health in such a good way. And it's also important to note that you don't have to have a perfect sleep. We've talked about that in a previous episode that, you know, although we're trying to enhance quality of sleep and quantity of sleep, you know, it doesn't, um, you know, need to be perfect, but enhancing it will, on the other hand, improve your ability to communicate more efficiently. And it can make or break your day for some people. It's really impacts them. They're just moody and they're tired. And last thing that's on their sure. mind is to be into mix. They haven't had enough sleep. So it's right. just like kind of that cycle. It's like finding ways to you know, transition to sleep, as we mentioned before, and, and being intimate can be a very helpful way to transition and soften your mind and just let go of all the stress of the day. And that all leads to health and health as a couple or health overall in your physical and emotional well-being. So all of it is important. And I'm so excited about this conversation and I can't wait to share what we have to offer when we offer our online program, because when we talk about, we're going to start off with the um, postpartum program and sleep will be a part of this conversation. And, you know, we have different seasons of our lives and postpartum is a certain season. So we want to address it in a very particular way. And certainly, I don't remember if I actually, we mentioned this already earlier, it's like when you just have a kid, you know what, you're likely not going to want to have sex. Like, like, I'm just saying, you might be a little too busy and you're tired and you're exhausted and you're sleep deprived. And you're healing. And, yeah. and you're healing, right? Mm -hmm. So I can't wait for us to share all those nuggets of gold that will be, you know, insightful and so um, helpful and hopeful as one navigates a, a different um, season of their lives. Mm -hmm. So next time in the next episode, we're going to be talking more about tips to improve your sex life and, and intimacy. Really, again, we're not just yeah. saying sex. It's just mm -hmm. about intimacy as well to have a more fulfilling, fulfilling relationship with your partner, with yourself and with your life. 
So hang out for that. Absolutely. As we always do, before we end off, we ask each other, how did you fill your cup lately? So I'm going to ask you, Mary, you go first. (laughs) You know, it's really funny because I haven't thought about it at all. But in this specific moment, what filled my cup is sharing a little secret with you, which I'm not going to share with everybody right now. (laughs) But it's like, wow, you know, we, we withhold and we think that, you know, we hold things in our dear in our hearts. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it just feels good to share. So thank you for being there for me. Oh, you're so welcome. I would have to say that um, buying a new vibrator <laughs> was something that fell my cup recently. <laughs> and we'll talk more about that in the next episode. 